0: There's a huge temptation when you're starting a business to to be safe and to not be laughed at or to not do something that's so edgy that a lot of people may not even understand what you're doing. But what I've come to realize is that with tenacity, those are usually the best ideas.
1: I've always
0: felt in nice fear. I was born with several palsy. I have always felt small. I may
1: be blind, but I teach people how to sleep.
0: And I'm proud to be an individual.
1: This podcast is for you, the unconventional leader.
0: Maybe you are the one that everyone discounted.
1: Maybe you struggle with fear and
0: self-doubt. We are here to empower the next generation of self-starters to step up, use their voice, and make an impact in this world. You're listening. The weekly
1: Parody. Hey, welcome to today's episode. If this is your first time listening, welcome. My name is Heather Parody and I am your host. Today we are talking with entrepreneur and founder of Snacktivist Foods, Joni Kidwall Moore. And I was so impressed with this woman. In three short years, she has been able to create. An incredible company, build a team, and ultimately making a cultural difference when it comes to our health and food. She's building a brand that is dedicated to making natural foods the norm. She talks to us a little bit about that. We also dig into how in the world she was able to build something so fast in three years. She says she has a long way to go, and I understand that. But man, sitting back, it's so impressive what she's already done. She shares with us the importance of face-to-face interactions, the importance of really listening to your customers. And we also talk about those years where she had to balance a full-time RN job, working in critical care, that's heavy, and building a business and having a family so many moving pieces I don't know if you relate to that just feeling like you have so many balls in different courts and figuring out how to balance it all well we dig into that as well I learned so much from Joni so so excited to share this with you but before we get started if you have not subscribed to this podcast please head over to iTunes wherever you listen to podcasts hit that subscribe button and I would love to hear feedback from you And one more thing before we get started, we have a summit just a couple of weeks away. How to build an audience. If you are in the online space and putting out content, maybe you feel frustrated because you're putting so much work and effort into it and you're not seeing the results that you want to see. We are talking with experts from all over who have done that very thing online, Built Strong Tribe, and we're sharing all of their interviews, all of that information For free, so all you have to do, click the link in the show notes, sign up for that. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get started with this week's episode with Joni kidwall Moore.
0: We are essentially a mission-driven food company dedicated to disrupting the cereal and grain industry and revitalizing agriculture while we do it and essentially making something really delicious and amazing and allergy-friendly at the same time. So it's a huge chunk to bite off.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's a huge mission. That's a huge yeah. mission to take on. And then we were just talking before we started, you were a nurse for several years in critical care. So you were already yeah. busy, already had a lot on your plate going. So can you kind of give us a backstory of, you know, you're already busy mom, you have a career going, but you decided to start this company and ultimately try to shift culture.
0: Yeah, so what I realized, I was always a food Nazi in my younger years. I actually owned a vegan cookie company back in the 90s when I was doing my first career, my first education track, which was in pharmaceutical botany. So my whole background was botany, plants, chemistry, everything that comes from plants that can be applied to human health and nutrition. Then I decided I wanted to have a family and Working for little, very small wages as a biologist, basically, is um, you know what you are. It's, it, it's really tough because the hours are challenging, too. So I joined my husband in nursing. My husband was also an RN, realized it was a super family-friendly uh, profession, and made the transition and, and ended up going into diabetic education and uh, ER-ICU. So that really has always been my passion is more of the scientific, you know, very like ICU is like the, you're the scientist of the nursing world in the ICU. It's like flying in a spaceship when you're there. That was
1: Reading a little bit about your background, it seemed like you had just kind of a history of health and nutrition with your family. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. So what I realized is having three kids and both of us having super busy jobs, it became really hard to prioritize health and healthy choices with food because convenience very quickly becomes your number one motivator. What No matter how dedicated you are to health, Mm -hmm. that's just reality. And then to throw a complicated turn into everything, I'm allergic to eggs my daughter's lactose intolerant and then my son as it turns out was severely sensitive to wheat suddenly we were that the family that no one will invite over for dinner they're like what are we going to feed you like you can't eat anything <clears throat> and and i started to realize this huge gap in foods that are delicious enough for anyone to enjoy, but they're also inclusive. So they're inclusive to people with dietary restrictions. And so that was really my starting point is I would make these big mixes, like a big thing, of muffin mix. And that way, babysitters could make these muffins or, or anybody. And then my friends started wanting to buy them and, <clears throat> you know, it kind of spiraled from there. So, you know, fast forward to where we are today, I we just launched a line of like chocolate chip cookies and a brownie chocolate chip cookie. It's gluten a- it's gluten egg, dairy free, but honestly, like you wouldn't know it if you just ate it. So we just pitched that to Albertsons and, and got a contract with them, which is exciting. Yeah, it's huge um, because we want our products to be um, available to an inclusive audience too. So we're trying to avoid the exclusivity track, you know, yeah. uh, we want to go mainstream. <clears throat> And, you know, the more I studied the supply chain behind my products, uh, we started in December of 2015, so very slow, but steady trajectory, I realized this huge gap that is existent in the food, in the food supply chain, it's like, it's really hyper dominated by these massive monopoly companies, like, there's not an indie supply chain, really, it's growing. But it's really dominated by like the futures market and the commodities market and all these huge external forces that actually force us into eating things that are less nutritious than we'd maybe even like to. Um, I think the consumer audience would like to up the ante and really be <laughs> consuming things that are more healthy. But unfortunately, even companies that want to make healthier food are stuck in this ecosystem that has not been disrupted in 100 years. And I have a solution for that too. I have another company called the Global Project that's working on that, but which is a supply chain social platform for the digital social platform for the food industry. But, um, you know, I just realized that there was a way bigger nut to crack it to solve our nation's food problems and our health problems. And it's really creating a, a new paradigm for what goes into our food at the ingredients level. Does that make
1: sense? It, it makes a lot of sense. It does. Yeah. What I love about what you've done is you created products that solved your own needs. So you can speak with conviction. I hear conviction all over you. Yeah. And I know a lot of entrepreneurs, leaders, they kind of struggle with sometimes just product development and really figuring out their niche and what they're supposed to go into. So can you talk to us a little
0: bit about using your story, using your own needs to solve a problem in the world? Yeah, definitely. It was a, a real personal motivation getting started and then realizing that we weren't alone, that there were so many people that were facing this. And the sad part is, is there's so many more that need to start experimenting with more exclusive diets. I hate that word, but cutting out wheat, cutting out dairy, cutting out eggs or major allergens. And it's amazing looking at my son who was a very intelligent, sharp kid, but he suddenly became like not thriving, not gaining weight, Um, eczema everywhere, irritable. And once we were able to successfully cut out all the wheat from his diet for several months, he gained like 15 pounds Wow! and was like doing better in school and Happier, um, sleeping better, no eczema—like it was just like a different boy suddenly. And he's a little guy; he was like eight years old. And so, when you start looking at peers, I go to school with my kids, and I look around, and I just go, "Oh my gosh, there are so many kids here that could be going from struggling to thriving if they just had better food." Yeah, and so that's that's a big thing to tackle as a nation. We have a we have a real problem that our our cultural norms and our cultural. Norms of our surrounding food are very unconducive to being healthy.
1: And we don't realize how much of the behavioral stuff, too, that we see yeah. in schools. I used before this, my season before, I worked as a therapist for mm-hmm. kids. Yeah. <laughs> crazy how many of these kids who had behavioral problems and we are sitting there, you know, having a mm-hmm. session with them while they're eating Twinkies
0: and ding dongs and chips. Yeah. Like,
1: when is the last you know, time the drink of water? And they said we don't drink water. Yeah. And you're thinking,
0: right? That's like a foundational level thing for for kids um, that's being grossly overlooked. So, as a nurse, I'm really really passionate about that um, that element of health. That if you can create a brand that serves to improve the health of our population, but then also incentivizes the um, ec- ec- the economy of our farmers, which is a huge national interest in my mind by incentivizing transition to more sustainable crops. It's just a win, win, win. Yeah. And everyone needs to eat. So, that's the beauty of consumer products is <laughs> people people might buy that cookie every day with their coffee and, and then it starts to make an impact because you actually have volumes that can impact the economy and the environment. And all the while you're like, cool, it's still a cookie. It still has sugar in it, but hey, you were going to have a cookie anyways. Now you're having a cookie right. that has a more of a, a, a bundle associated with it that has a ripple effect.
1: When yeah. you told your husband, your friends, your family, that you wanted to take this idea. and You're already making these products for your family and you wanted to create an actual business.
0: Mm-hmm. What
1: was the response?
0: My dad said I was crazy because I had no idea what was going to go into building a brand and launching a company. And he'd say, well, it doesn't really work like that. You just... It's a commitment that I'm not so sure is wise to take on. Um, my husband was totally all for it and still is, absolutely diehard supporter. Um, so he he also dreams about us just leaving nursing entirely. I love you know I love helping people, but I think we can help a lot more people here in this sector, and and just dedicating to this brand and building it to be a national, like a modern food icon that stands for this change we want to see. Because he understands too, it's when he goes to the grocery store on a you know, short on time, short on money, short on, you know, attention span, it's so easy just to buy whatever's in front of you and then you get home and you go, Oh my gosh, what was I thinking? This is horrible. Like this is What we should be eating, but you get locked into this like convenience paradox, and I think he he really sees that too because he was not raised like you know eating healthy food, and we were both raised kids of the eighties, seventies, and eighties, so it was like Kraft mac and cheese and Kool Aid and ho hos. Yeah, (laughs) easy to fall back into that, and we realize you know working with human health that it it kills people. Oh, cigarettes get a lot of attention, you know, as far as health public health initiatives, but quite frankly, I I think that the neglect of focusing on diet and and stuff is kind of a national tragedy.
1: A hundred percent. Now- You have conviction. You have the science background. Can you talk a little little bit about getting your message out there? Because you've had success with this, because you just told me a minute ago that you are able to step away from nursing now and put your whole energy into into this business. So where did your business knowledge come from? Was there
0: a learning curve there? Oh my gosh, that was a heck of a learning curve. So that's actually one of the reasons we've grown slowly and cautiously is I had a little bit of business background, just enough to let me know I really didn't know what I was doing. And so I aggressively sought outside mentorship from like Women's Business Center. They teach amazing classes for anyone who's wanting to look into starting a business. um, You can go to a, a Women's Business Center anywhere in the nation and access free or affordable classes and did business accelerators. I did a local business accelerator called Ignite Northwest and another one based out of Salt Lake called VentureCapital.org, which essentially trains you in the mindset for successful business trajectory and <clears throat> understanding really the, the nuts and bolts that aren't obvious uh, behind growing a successful business. And then most importantly is I have recruited an amazing team. So we realized we couldn't grow without a really good team behind us. So that takes time, especially when you live in a tiny town in Northern Idaho of 45,000 people. It's not like there's a huge pool of skilled people that have worked for big food hanging out here, although oddly enough, there is. It takes time to find those people. So we've managed to build an amazing management team and a advisory board both <clears throat> are helping to support us. So now that we finally solidified that team and now we're really ready to grow. Yeah. Wow. How many years have you been in business? We launched in December of 2015. So we just started with a couple things on Shopify, literally two items on Shopify and that was it. Okay, girl. So no. I feel like it was so long ago that it came, kind of seems silly. But when I think of all the learning that had to happen and the building of the team and the engine and supply chain and Strategic partners, I mean you can't scale a food brand without all of that in place, so it seems like it's kind of silly long time, but really in the scheme of things it's not bad at all, <laughs> yeah, I know very few
1: people who've been in three years who've been able to scale it to that point, so what are some of just kind of get into the business side of stuff, and then we we'll, yeah. we'll talk a little bit more about um, where you 're to go from here, but mm-hmm. Can you tell me maybe it's just some key things that you've done that were just the most valuable decisions you made? You mentioned building a team, but what else? Mm-hmm. If somebody's at a point where they they can't out they can't hire out a team just yet, you started off on Shopify. How did you get from Shopify to being able to outsource?
0: Well, I think just the most important thing is really hitting the streets essentially and talking to your customers, and it takes so much time and it's often very rewarding yet frustrating at the same time but especially if you have a consumer product and you really need to talk to your product you need to talk to your product's consumer you need to talk to them a lot and understand where their pain points are and then actually really listen so we started with just selling a baking mix and we knew I mean because I'm a voracious consumer of data like I spend a lot of time at our business library, just downloading data, looking at Bloomberg, like where are the turns? Where's the success in our sector? How are people getting momentum? And so definitely go to your business library and get to know your business librarian really well. That's a huge tip that I think a lot of people don't think about because there's nothing sexy about spending hours in the library, but (laughs) it can save you a lot of grief. And then take what you learn there and go talk to your customers And I spent hundreds of hours, like literally flying to LA to one of our little grassroots health food stores down there and talking to my customers. And what I found out was that they loved our products, they love our mission, but they've never turned on their oven ever. You know, they would have lived in an apartment for five years and they're like, I don't even know where the oven knob is. Like, I keep stuff in it, like, I store things in there. And so that's what made us realize last fall that I just was going to cool my jets entirely um, rebuild the engine of the business, get ready to scale to a finished product status, which requires a lot more infrastructure and a lot more money and, um, learn to pitch my company to investors appropriately so that you can be selective and find really high quality investors and, um, outside of your local ecosystem. And, uh, so that combination of getting out and talking to my customers and looking for data and then combining that to guide your company outside of what your head necessarily tells you to do Mm -hmm. is really important. Because <clears throat> if we're not doing this for us, we're doing it for our customers. Like If you keep that central to your mission, I think you'll, you'll figure it out.
1: How much should you invest in an online presence? We mostly focus on face-to-face in person.
0: Yeah, I really focus mostly on face-to-face. And in fact, the sad thing is, is we've never invested in formal marketing before, really. Like I built the website myself. I am not a tech person, so that's kind of, kind of scary. I finally did hire a friend to redo it, which has made it much better. And um, 2019, we're actually going to make our first major investment into marketing and really focusing on getting our, our mission and our story out there in a digital way. So I'm really excited about that project. That's going to be fun because Outside of face-to-face, I don't think most people understand what our brand's about.
1: Yeah. I'm amazed. I'm amazed at what you've been able to do in just three mm-hmm. short years. I know that's an outsider looking in. That's just it's gone by
0: incredible. so fast. And my daughter's now in first grade, my youngest. Mm-hmm. So, you know, before there was only so much you could do. I, I wasn't willing to put my, my little one in full-time daycare while I did this. So, I, you know, we wanted to spend time with her. So we really kind of had to keep things. Yeah. Low and slow for a while, just to let them grow up to where they can kind of understand what's going on, and we're not just absent you know that's hard it is it's a really tough balance, so I try to include them as much as I can, like I've brought my kids to board board meetings and um investor pitches and <laughs> so it's funny my My oldest is twelve, and she's got a pretty savvy business brain. I keep telling myself, if nothing ever comes of this at all if, if it'll be a great education for the kids because they're going to understand the grit it takes to build a business and how to really critically evaluate business tactics. Like it's kind of cool and like how that whole world works.
1: Yeah. And what a cool example of leadership that you're showing them as a woman too.
0: Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually startling coming from nursing, which is a very female dominant profession. Mm -hmm. The sciences are definitely a, a mix, but with more male dominant um, you know archetype, but nursing is very female dominant, and then into entrepreneurship, where I suddenly had to go from being one uh, one of eighty percent of any crowd <clears throat> to one of maybe ten or five percent and I just got back from a women 's venture and women led business capital conference in Salt Lake last week, and we really took the deep dive into. The facts and the statistics behind women-led businesses and the underrepresentation of capital that goes yep. into women-led businesses, and it's it's really startling. Actually, I was I was quite shocked. Yeah, a hundred percent.
1: Do you have mm-hmm. any advice just for women who are listening
0: who may feel a little bit intimidated
1: by that's those statistics?
0: <clears throat> um, yeah, I think to to know that that's the lay of the land is is smart. Like you need to know what you're getting into, but. To leverage it as a great way to not be one of the majority faces in a crowd. When you're the only one of two women in in a huge conference, find your other women and then become a a force for sure. Um, I don't buy into the cattiness factor. Those women are out there, but I'm always like, hey, we've got to stick together. We're going to be stronger as a unit. So what are you doing after this conference? Let's go grab dinner and just always be the first to reach out <clears throat> to your other women in business cuz i have found some absolutely fabulous mentors um and a lot of them being women with a very seasoned background and they really led the way mm-hmm. and one of them was the first woman executive in big food in idaho and she's like an icon she's a she's a really impressive formidable character i mean she I think a lot of people probably find her intimidating, but it's amazing what just reaching out to somebody and saying, "Hey, can I buy you coffee? I would just love to learn from you," and it, it they open doors for you that could never happen anywhere else. I love mm-hmm.
1: that. Now you you just left your job last
0: last, last week. week. <laughs> yeah, was that scary? I, was that hard? Yeah, definitely. I took, a, I took a pause from nursing when I first launched Snacktivist. My dad was really sick and we knew he didn't have a lot of time left and I wanted the, the flexibility to drive to Oregon and visit him frequently. And at the time when I launched my company, I actually had something going on where I had like an infection in my In my bone behind my ear, they didn't know if it was cancerous. They didn't know what it was, so I knew I was going to have to face some pretty um, significant surgeries and maybe some horrible outcomes. So I took I took six months off to spend with my family and to really get some good time with my mom and dad, and launch the business. And so. This time is different because I ended up having to go back to nursing because of cash flow I mean mm-hmm. unless you have a vault of money hanging around and if you do that's awesome like use it for good but if you don't that's just the reality you live in so this time it's really cool because I don't have a looming family catastrophe or health catastrophe that could I mean it could always happen trust me I'm aware of that but i'm I'm not I'm not very young either I mean I'm in my mid forties so you look amazing I would have not against oh, that thank you yeah I, i'm I'm older, I I've been around the block a few times at this point, but, um, you know, I'm just starting to realize that like, this is really cool because I'm actually now deliberately taking a leave from nursing because I'm just focused on being an entrepreneur. Like, and I think with all the amazing mentors and amazing support group and my team, it just signifies like, okay, guys, we're ready to roll. We mean business. Like, yeah you know, let's do this. <laughs>
1: That's exciting. <laughs> so. I mentioned to you before, we have so many listeners who are kind of doing a side hustle thing right now and they really want yeah. to take it full time. It's so hard, especially when the two worlds yeah. are very different. Like you may be working an office job, but you're trying to start a company doing something completely different. Oh my gosh. How do it you mentally so balance both of those worlds and show up and grow and grow something? Yeah,
0: yeah it's really hard to do. And I have to say, if you throw being a, a parent and having yeah <laughs> a whole house of kids, I mean, that's the breaking point because that's the last thing you want to ever sacrifice. Like it's one thing to work hard and have your kids see you work hard. It's another thing to miss important things. And you can, you never get that time back. No one ever sits on their deathbed bragging about how much time they spent at the office, unless they're an engineer. Engineers and pilots still talk about what they did for a living, even on their deathbeds, but nobody else does. Oddly enough, they're the only two groups of people that will consistently tell you stories from their career. No one else does. I I don't know what's up with that, but after a decade and a half of nursing, (laughs) I've definitely gleaned that. So, you know, you don't hear business people talking about all these amazing business things that they did. You just don't. So you have to keep that in mind. Um, But balancing them, I I get up really early. I try to to leverage the time um, that's quiet, that my kids aren't going to necessarily miss me. And it's either staying up late after they go to bed or getting up really early before they get up. So you just kind of have to accept... That fact that you're gonna be tired and and that sucks. Yeah. You know, you it makes you a little resentful when you talk to other people that are like, "I'm so tired," and you're like, "Yeah, I okay." <laughs> like, yeah. you know, you just can't you can't go there. Like, don't get into the I call it football stats where you're comparing like how tired you are against how tired other people are, how hard they're working. It's just different for everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: We have one question left, but before we do yeah. that, I just want to give you a chance to share. You have a new product line coming out. Where can people yeah. find out about that and connect with you and order some of your yeah. products?
0: Well, we're going to be launching a bigger, greater presence on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, for national people, of course we ship anywhere on our website, anywhere in North America, we're going to be growing our online presence a lot in 2019 and a much more interactive website where people can learn about what we're doing and get involved <clears throat> with with what we're doing um, as far as our mission. And then bigger franchises that we're approaching as far as carrying our products. So we're starting with Albertsons. Um, they are the second largest retailer in America. So they own a lot of different stores um, in di- various parts of the country. So <clears throat> we'd like to continue to push forward our finished product line with Albertsons just because we feel like it can reach a lot of people like I've never lived in a town that had a Whole Foods. I've never lived anywhere that does, because I've always lived in rural areas like Alaska or Montana or Idaho. I lived in California, but the nearest Whole Foods was an hour away when I lived down there for a couple of years, because we lived in Sierra Nevada. So I I, I think unlike my urban competitors, I realized that there is like this huge vast of consumer base out there that's not in an urban center, and we really need to reach them. So partnering with someone like Albertsons, who has that kind of um, inclusive audience that's not just the exclusive shoppers that go to Whole Foods in downtown Seattle is really important to me as a mission.
1: Awesome, mm-hmm. awesome. And you have a discount code, right, for Parity?
0: Yeah, that's right. So <laughs> it, for anyone who goes to our website and they do enter the discount code, um, yeah, Parity. And I, I, I didn't clarify, is it ca- all caps? It looked like it was
1: when he sent that to me. It was P-E-R-A-D-Y, all caps. I'll have that linked up in the show notes. So definitely take advantage of that. And before our last question, I just want to acknowledge you for being such a fantastic example of leadership as a woman to just kicking ass and Thanks. doing your part to Speaking names. <laughs> yeah, use your conviction to make a difference in the world. It's more, yeah. I can tell with you, it's more than just making money and building your own brand. It's about changing the lives of other people. And definitely. So our last question, we, we speak to what I call unconventional leaders. And I thought it was interesting in your talking points, you mentioned thinking outside of the box and being willing to do that. And that's what we're trying to promote here at leadership is doing things a little bit outside of the norm, because that's what, that's what we need. So we need people willing to do that and brave enough to do that. What is your advice to unconventional leaders who may have an idea, having a conviction to step out and make a change, but they're either intimidated by all the discouragement they see it's such a big problem. They don't even know how to tackle it. They're at the very beginning stages of doing what you've done. What advice do you have for them?
0: Well, you know, what's interesting is that there's a huge temptation when you're starting a business to, to be safe and to not be laughed at or to not do something that's so edgy that a lot of people may not even understand what you're doing. But what I've come to realize is that with tenacity, those are usually the best ideas. And just to stick with your guns and realize you might have to reframe your product a little bit just to step your way through all those hurdles reframing your problem just to match the, where the customer is at. But don't lose sight of that big carrot, that crazy idea that people laugh at. And we have a local celebrity named Bert Rattan here who's like an icon in the aerospace world. And he has this quote, and I don't recall exactly what it is, but he basically says, like, if, if your idea seems ridiculous and people don't even know what to think of it and maybe even laugh at you, you know you're on to something you know, and that those are the ideas that end up changing the world. Like people laughed at Bezos when he started Amazon. I mean, I remember my dad watching the news and going, man, that guy's going to be the laughing stock of America. What's he doing? And it's just because people didn't understand, but his idea was so big. He had to start really small on something like just Amazon was books. I mean, I'm at the age where I remember selling my textbooks in college on Amazon and, and no one, he couldn't tell everyone the whole idea because it was too big. People's brains couldn't conceive of it, and so he had to start somewhere really little, which people laughed at him, but in his head, he knew what his big idea was, and he knew it was going to take a long time to get there, and I have a lot, I mean, take him or leave him, I know he's got a lot of mixed opinions about his personality, but as far as like a, someone in business that just kept staying the course and saying, you guys might laugh at me now, but... I'm going to be the one laughing later. I think that's a really important thing. And if you can, if you can double that onto like making societal change or environmental change or that ripple effect change, I just, when I'm really discouraged, I just think about that and I'm like, okay, you know, people don't get it, but in 10 years they, they will.
1: Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you have not subscribed yet, please head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and hit that subscribe button. And also, if you have a second leave us a review lastly we have a private facebook group if you are looking for a tribe of like-minded leaders who are unconventional in their approach but dedicated to making an impact head over to facebook and type in unconventional leaders and we will be sure to add you you guys have a great week